Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Owl Live this week, we've got Kirk McElhern, author. Of course, he's also the iTunes guy for Macworld. And he has some provocative things to talk about. Maybe it's rant mode, but you're going to find it interesting. We'll also hear from Rob Pegarero. He's a longtime tech columnist who writes for USA Today and other publications. All this and more this week on The Tech Night Owl Live. Yeah! This is the first time we've talked to Kirk for the new year, but he's in full flame rant mode because it seems every time he gets a new product, almost every time it seems, he can't catch a break. He'd like to take the equipment that he buys and break it. Kirk, what's going on? I don't know, Gene. It's it's like bad karma or something. But this past month or so, I've just been having problem after problem with hardware. The first one dates back to a little before Christmas. I wanted to scan 10 years of accounting documents. That's a lot of files here in France where there's a lot of paperwork. So I ordered a Fujitsu S1500M scanner. This is a pretty expensive, about $500 scanner, which has a paper feed. You can put 50 sheets into it. It scans both sides. The software it comes with does OCR, so you can get searchable PDFs, which makes it perfect for this sort of archiving. So I got this scanner, and I started using it, and I noticed there was a problem. There were some lines on some of the scans, like these colored lines going down the middle of the page, the whole length of the page. Now, these kind of look like what you see sometimes when you have a bad toner cartridge on a printer, right? But there's no toner in the scanner. So I contacted Fujitsu Tech Support, and they said, oh, it's definitely a hardware problem. We've seen that before. So we're going to exchange it for you. This this was the Friday before Christmas, and they said, we'll get you a new one by tomorrow. I was like surprised. I said, really? By tomorrow? Very cool. I'm looking forward to it. I guess when he talked to you, he didn't realize it was Christmas. Oh, he did. The person did realize, but that wasn't a problem. It was Friday morning, and the person said, no problem. By Saturday, we'll have one there. Well, by the following Thursday, when I didn't get anything, and when Fujitsu's tech support in Germany was on vacation, so when I called, all I got was a message in German. Unfortunately, didn't understand it. I called Apple. I bought the scanner from the Apple online store, and I said, well, here's the deal. Um, They're not sending me anything. Will you replace the scanner? And I said, absolutely no problem. The people at the Apple store were great. Of course, it took them a while. The scanner came about... 10 days ago. I was away for a week, so I didn't have time to set it up until yesterday. And lo and behold, exactly the same problem. These colored lines, and on my website, I put a a screenshot of one of the scans to show what they're like. They're sort of like rainbows going from red to blue. And I called Apple and I said, well, look, you know, we're not going to keep exchanging because apparently there's a whole series of of scanners that have this problem. They said, no, we're going to give you a refund and maybe try and buy one from Amazon because maybe they have a different supply or something like that. Unfortunately, it's 20 euros more at Amazon, but no big deal. So that was the first hardware problem. You bought it from Amazon. Was that a good one? No, I bought it from the Apple store, the Apple online store in France. No, I'm saying is when did you return it? Not yet. Oh, no, you I haven't just, returned I, I just it. Okay. Up, I just set up the second return today. Okay. It won't go back until next week. But in the meantime, I'll probably buy another one from Amazon, which will come in a day or two. Well, then, of course, it'll be putting the pedal to the metal, see if it works. And if it doesn't work, then maybe Fujitsu has some explaining to do. Well, yeah, and I'm very comfortable with Amazon for returns, and I've had a number of things this year that I bought that didn't work or I didn't like or whatever. You know how it is with Amazon. You go to the website, you print out a label, take it to the post office, boom, you're refunded in a few days, or the exchange comes in a few days. They're, they're great for that sort of stuff. The Apple online store it takes a little bit longer because they ship from, I think, the Netherlands. So that takes a couple of days for shipping, whereas Amazon can be overnight. 
do you feel with Apple maybe you're kind of isolated there? You know, you have to deal with another country just to get things done? Well, Apple's European sort of network is located in different places. I mean, they have a lot of staff in Ireland for phone support, and they do a lot of the distribution from the Netherlands, at least for France. Maybe in further south, you know, they might have another country. But generally, things are pretty quick here. It's, it's an extra day. You know, they send by DHL or FedEx or UPS, you know, one of these fast services. So, so things get here pretty quickly, depending on, you know, availability and weather um, and things like that. They can slow things down. Okay, so we hope that the next time we talk to you, you will have a scanner that really works. We hope. We'll find out, won't we? Now, of course, then comes the second problem. And before the show started, I was explaining this, and you said this will be perfect to talk about on the show. Um, I just got a new 13-inch MacBook Pro. The reason for this is I had a 15-inch, I still have a 15-inch Retina MacBook Pro that I bought in July. I'm sure we'll discuss this in the coming months, but I'm planning to move to England in April. Now, oh, you the, are. That's interesting. Yes. Where? London? Um, most likely to York. And I was just up there last week checking things out. So Now, that's a whole story. We can do a whole story on why you're moving to England. Exactly. But we'll do that another time? Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So the reason I'm selling the current MacBook Pro is it has a French keyboard. And since I sell my Macs after about one and a half or two years, so I can still get value for them and keep up with technology, I won't be able to sell something with a French keyboard in England. So from the Apple online store, you can order a laptop or a, key or a keyboard um, either in French from the French store or in what they call international English. So I bought a 13-inch MacBook Pro with an English keyboard. Um, that way, I'll be able to sell it in a year and a half or two years when I'm in England. So the MacBook Pro came, and it's fine. It came in two days, by the way, um, very quick. And I ran the setup thing, and I copied my, all of my data from an external hard disk, and it rebooted, and everything was fine. And then I don't know why, but I needed to reboot again. And all of a sudden, I can't get outgoing Internet connections. I've tried network diagnostic, diagnostics, and of course it fails. Um, I've tried, you know, changing all the settings. I mean, it's getting my Wi-Fi network. I can share files across it, so it's certainly network savvy. It's network aware, but something is blocking the outgoing internet access. Now, my thought is, okay, well, I got to reinstall this thing. I got to reinstall Mountain Lion, but of course, you don't get removable media any anymore. Um, it can access the internet from the recovery partition when you launch the installer, but you've got to download the 4.3 gigabytes of the installer to be able to do it, and the download is extremely slow, and it was saying it was going to take about eight hours. So my rant here is that you've got to put the installer on a hard disk when, when you give people a new computer. They can delete it if they want, but give it to them so if there's a problem with setup... They don't have to wait hours and hours to download another installer. This is just ridiculous. It turns out the, the installer that I have on my other Mac is too old for this model. Um, I, mean, I tried to run it, but it wouldn't launch. So I have absolutely no choice but to wait you know, the time it takes to download, which currently says about, four and, about five hours. Downloads are very slow from, from Apple these days. I'm getting about three, 400K per second, whereas usually I get more than a megabyte per second. So I got a nice new computer, and I can't do much with it because I can't access the Internet. Go figure. You're not having a good day. I'm not having a good year. Well, it's a new year, but 
uh, yeah, you know, as we've discussed throughout the year, uh, there were other things I bought that weren't working, but this is just particularly annoying. Um, For the listeners who've joined us recently and aren't familiar with the trials and tribulations of the life of Kirk McElhern, in addition to being making the conclusion of going to another country, you've had no end of hardware problems, and maybe we only have a minute or so for this segment, but maybe beginning with the next segment, what you can do is tell us briefly the other hardware problems you had and the outcome. Because it's like Apple doesn't like you. It's like Fujitsu doesn't like you. I mean, your website works. McElhern.com works. You seem to be doing okay with iTunes 11. You... You can't use I iTunes. I figured out iTunes 11 finally, yeah. I you have. finally got iTunes 11 to work finally, and you've written some real good articles over at Macworld because you're the iTunes guy, and you field all those inquiries about people who have weird problems. Now, I had a weird problem with bookmarks, which I'll get into, but we want to continue, first of all, to discuss the things you have had to face, all the problems you've had to confront, and why it just happens to you. You have to think there's only one person on this planet got billions and billions of people and kirk McElhern can't get a break with apple or fujitsu i'm kidding i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live you know for many of us so much of our jobs are tied to our office computers we have networks special programs important files you feel chained to your office just to be productive well here's some good news there is a better way It's one I've used myself. It's called GoToMyPC. It's a secure remote access tool from Citrix that turns any computer, tablet, or smartphone into your office computer. How about that? With GoToMyPC, you can access your entire network, use any program, save, edit, send any file from anywhere. Don't even need to worry about those flash drives. My listeners, by the way, can try GoToMyPC free for just 30 days. Visit GoToMyPC.com. Visit GoToMyPC.com. Click the Try It Free button. Enter the promo code podcast. Then download the free app to your mobile device. That's GoToMyPC.com. The promo code is podcast. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. 
American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American owned by patriots like you. Passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. George Washington said, Government is not reason, it is not eloquence, it is force, like fire. It is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. America's government is no longer the servant of the people and the protector of our liberty, but has become that fearful master. We the people must understand the nature of this government gone awry if we are to be successful in saving our country. America is being deliberately destroyed by a cabal of international gangsters so that she can be forced into subjugation to a one-world government. The God-given, unalienable rights of the Declaration of Independence are in jeopardy. We must not let them be stolen by ambitious and evil men. Utopia Silver Supplements believes it is our God-given right to make our own health care decisions however we deem best. If we can help you with your supplement needs and better health, then help us win this health freedom battle. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A-Silver.com. Or call 888-213-4338. Again, 888-213-4338. like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I have no idea why I went to that rant about why people don't like Kirk McElhern. I like him, you know. Well, his, I'm glad. His family likes him. Um, I haven't talked to Percival lately. So. Does he like you? Does. He's, you know, he wouldn't say if he didn't, I guess. That's, you know, the way kids are. Sure. Okay, seriously, though, maybe just reacquaint our listeners, whose eyes might be glazed over at this point, with all the weird problems you've had with your hardware. I'm looking on my website. I'm just going to go back um, in time, you know, reverse chronological order, because I blogged about most of these things. A couple of weeks ago, bought a new Airport Express, and I wanted to extend my network, but it wouldn't work with the current Airport Extreme that I have, which is about two years old, I think. I also bought a new Airport Extreme, and it worked fine with that. I mean, go figure. You set it up, and you get a, a little message in the setup screen. It says, an unexpected error occurred. Try again. That's not much help. Um, I nothing- love that unexpected error. I no what what gets me is the try again bit. It's like taunting, right? Um, saying, "Aha, you yeah. screwed up, man!" But we're not going to tell you how because exactly. we're evil. 
Yeah. So that that sort of stuff is you know minor but annoying. I mean, it should be compatible. It's the same 802.11n networking. So that I don't understand. If I go back a little bit more, it was when I bought a new new Mac Mini, had video freezes, and this goes back to November 2011. So this is back another year, and I had bought a new Mac Mini, and I had to exchange it, and the new one was fine. I had these really weird video freezes and colors and stuff. But once they exchanged it, it was fine. Before that was my iMac debacle, and we talked about that a number of times, and there were lots of problems with that. Video freezing and all sorts of weird things. So, you know, it's not that much because I do have a lot of, like, technological gadgets. Most of them work. I mean, my iPhone works fine, my iPad mini, my iPad. I haven't bought an iPod in years. I've got an iPod Touch. It's about three years old. It works fine. My fixed telephone works fine my stereo works fine my i'm just looking around me at my desk here my cd dvd drive connected to my computer works fine i've got headphones that work so it's not a lot of stuff but it does stand out when you get things repeatedly i mean the scanner having the same problem twice that's the real annoyance if it was once i'd say okay no big deal you know this is just the luck of the draw but when you get it twice that's showing bad poor quality control for the for the company fujitsu you you ain't getting my money i don't know if i'm going to buy another one of these scanners from fujitsu i'm going to look and see what other scanners there are that do the same sort of thing but poor quality control poor customer service promising something the next day and then not fulfilling and then of course when the person called back and i explained what happened said oh no i did my job i passed the information on to the department that was supposed to send it i was like Dude, you represent the company. You either accept that or you don't. For me, you screwed up. Point being here is that is Apple's quality control going down that you buy products and you just have a constant spate of issues? You know, I don't know how many people have hardware problems with with Apple products. I remember we discussed this about, what was it, two years ago when I was having the iMac problems. It's entirely possible that quality control is maybe a little bit less stringent. I mean, I don't know what's happening with the new MacBook Pro. I think it's a software problem because I get incoming internet and I don't get outgoing is the problem. It's, it's hard to tell. You, you know, if you, if you just rely on anecdotes and you assume that they're representative, then they seem a lot more common than they really are. Even if you look at like Apple's forums, you'll see a number of people posting about problems, but it's the people with problems who post. You can't tell what percentage of people are, are affected by these problems. The key being, of course, if someone has no problem, they would not be inclined to report it because unless they're just really deep into the down and dirty intricacies of technology... They'll just get on with their business. But if they have a problem, they're far more inclined to say something about it. People aren't going to post in a forum to say, hey, everything's doing fine, because that's just a waste of time. You just assume that's what's going to be going on, that everything's doing fine. Okay, I'll drink to that. All right. Cheers. Okay, that's a Diet Coke, folks. I don't do the hard stuff. Okay. As you were saying... Well, no, just that, you know, th these problems, we can't assume that just because there are a number of problems that they have any sort of re representative reality, basically. And that's the key, too. And also, when you do look at problem reports, is there a consistency amongst those problems? Yeah, and see, that's hard, too, because, okay, something like a video freeze, and this was a problem for certain models of iMacs. What was this? This was in 2011. And on the Apple forums, a lot of people were posting about pretty much the same problems. What they were seeing on the displays was maybe a little bit different from computer to computer, but things were happening sort of at the same time. When you get other problems, you can't always know if 
it's really exactly the same thing. It's hard to pin down a lot of these problems when they're hardware problems because it could be a short circuit anywhere in a computer that's causing a problem. It could be a bad chip, bad memory. You know, the, the number of possible problems is pretty much unlimited. And quite often here, what they do to fix these things is just replace the part in the area in which this problem appears to occur. And it's not component parts, it's the entire logic board. Yeah, they don't replace anything smaller than a board or, or a, a whole memory chip or a hard drive and all that. But again, sometimes it's hard to tell if something's a hardware problem or a software problem. With the scanner, it's clearly a hardware problem because I sent a, a PDF to Fujitsu and they looked at it and they said, yes, okay, we've seen that problem before. I should have sort of reacted when they said that, saying, well, how many times have you seen that before? As if maybe there were like thousands of these scanners that have this problem and they're expecting to get, you know, support calls from them. Well, it sounds to me like they should have said something, but they're probably under order not to say anything. If you say, how often is this happening? They'll well, say, they'll, they'll never tell well, you, of course. course not. Yeah, they can't. Otherwise, they'd be looking for a different kind of job. Yep. Like McDonald's or whatever. But so this, this internet problem here bothers me because I'm assuming it's software. Um, I, I've been looking at activity monitor to try and find if there's anything running that could be blocking things, and I don't see anything. Um, and as I said, when I first set it up, it was working fine, and I rebooted, and all of a sudden it stopped, and that's even weirder. Um, I, I don't see it possible that this is a hardware problem because, as I said, I've got um, file sharing works fine. So, you know, there's no reason why... Um, there's nothing that would block the internet and let file sharing come through if it was a hardware problem, essentially. So it's some kind of software problem, and you've tried all the excuses. I've tried all the usual troubleshooting things, um, but like, so I opened the, the App Store. It says, Apple Store cannot verify a secure connection with the App Store. Would you like to connect anyway? And I press continue, and it says, cannot connect to App Store, and I get a screen that flashes. So it's obviously trying to do something, but there's something that's preventing the data from, I guess, coming back. It, presuming that it's sending data, it's not getting data back. So let's see. Am I getting data going out? As I use iStat menus in my menu bar, it doesn't look like any data is going out either. So that's even weirder. It's like certain things, file sharing works, but other things don't. It could be, what could it be? Um, I turned the firewall off just to make sure. I don't have any security software running. So this is a tough one to figure out. It sounds like it. And I've also noticed that I can't launch any applications that come from the Mac App Store. Obviously, the computer needs to at least sign in once to, I guess, verify or whatever. Um, so I've tried to launch a couple things, and they just, you know, they look like they're opening, but nothing happens. It still could be a hardware issue. But I'll tell you, we got to do this issue. We have Kirk McElhern joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network. Hey, neighbors. Got a small business or a large company that needs to be online 24-7? 
Well, here's the little secret. To make sure your site is always online, you need world-class DNS service from Dyn. That's D-Y-N. For years, Dyn has been helping companies ranging from the scrappy young startup to the giant media moguls of the world with making sure websites are fast and always available and that your emails are getting delivered. D-Y-N. Get faster internet. By using Dyn for DNS, visit Dyn.com slash podcast30. Fill out the contact form or start shopping right away and save 30% by using the promo code podcast30 at checkout. Again, visit Dyn.com, that's D-Y-N.com slash podcast30. Check them out today. In this unpredictable world, disaster can strike anyone. That's why an essential part of any emergency survival plan must be stove in a can. When power goes out and gas lines are down, the portable, safe, easy-to-use stove in a can cooks food up to four hours and boils water in as little as five minutes. Stove in a can comes with everything you need. The stove, fuel, even waterproof matches, all in a compact, durable, heavy-duty container. Plus, the all-natural, non-explosive, 100% waterproof fuel source can be stored indefinitely. Say goodbye to the hassle and danger of propane, lighter fluid, or gas. Stock up now and protect your family with Stove in a Can, starting out at $29.99. Special bundle offers now available with a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Order yours today at StoveInACan.com. That's StoveInACan.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves the Absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. 
You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Kirk McElhern joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. We are talking about the year of the lemon, where products and services that Kirk McElhern acquired didn't always work. Let's talk about the services. You can't use iTunes Match because your music library is over 25000 and there's no way to subdivide under the same account. Right. Well, I can use it if I use a smaller library, if I create a separate library, which is entirely possible. Subdividing. Right. Um, well, what I do um, essentially is I have a, a smaller library on my laptop um, because I do need to write about iTunes Match and all that. Okay. So that's just for the testing process for your day-to-day use. You're going to use your main computer with this humongous library. Yeah, because I have a very big music library. And it's not, it's, it's just as easy for me. I mean, I only use this at home. I, I'm, I have no plans to use it on the road. So if I want to stream music to my Apple TV, for example, um, I'll just stream it from my Mac Mini, which is where my music library is, and not want to go through the iTunes Match thing. So it's not designed, iTunes Match isn't designed for people who are real music fans, basically. And, and I've gotten tons and tons of emails from people about this. Um, you know, is there any workaround and that kind of thing? And no, there's nothing you can do, so... And, of course, you're not going to get an answer from Apple. I mean, it's not that you can call up Apple PR and say, okay, how do you accommodate these people no. who have larger libraries? No, Apple doesn't answer any kind of questions like that, unfortunately. It's all for one or all for nothing. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. Well, maybe that is the issue, too. They're trying to keep something simple. And when you try to keep something too simple, you cause problems. Well, so that's an interesting idea. Because a product like iTunes Match, you want people to, to purchase the product. You want to sell it. And you want to sell it to people who are interested in music enough to want something like that, to want the access that iTunes Match offers. But if you limit the people to only the ones who are just slightly interested, right, and not the real, real diehard music fans, then you're cutting out a sort of core element of your customer base. Now, Amazon's cloud player, I think, gives you 250,000 tracks compared to 25,000 that Apple gives you. It's clunkier. It doesn't work with an iPhone, an iPad, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, but Amazon seems to think that they're just not going to be concerned about this limit, and they're going to basically make a limit that one-tenth of one percent of people will not be able to, to, to accept. Why Apple has done this limit, um, it's kind of arbitrary in some ways it could have something to do with the the record labels because you know there is record labels get compensated when you match your music using itunes match it's a very very small amount per track but there is money that goes to the record labels and part of this is the assumption that people are matching tracks that they've downloaded illegally and they're sort of amnestying them if you could say that um so you have some 128 kilobit um mp3 files you got off you know, wherever, and you match them and you delete them and then you download the 256K files from Apple, there's some money going to the record labels to compensate that. Now, if you have the files illegally, the record labels are still getting money. So maybe Apple just, because of the deal they have with the record labels, maybe Apple didn't want to have to pay more money um, than what they're paying, even though, as I said, it's a real, it's a fraction of a cent per match. It may also be the complications of having exceptions. Now, if you have one contract that addresses 
up to 25,000 songs, you get this amount of money. And that's it for each subscriber. This is your cut. And that's it. There's no subdividing. There's no gray areas. It's all or nothing. So if they subscribe, they get this amount of money. There isn't the second version, which is, well, maybe they have 50,000. You get a different amount of money. Yeah, it. You know, the, I'm pretty sure that the kind of deal that Apple has with the record labels is extremely complicated. Um, as you say, it, it it has something to do with the number of uh, the the number of units and frequency and all sorts of odd things. I'm sure. But we we. I mean, I, I do know the amounts that some record labels have been getting for matches. Um, it's certainly not something that Apple has publicized. Well, you know, tell us. Well, I can't really because um, this information was given to me in confidence. But I know that these are fractions of a penny per match, essentially. The point being, they're getting some money. They're not getting what they might have lost from the illegal downloads. But some money is better than no money. And also, I gather, because they're getting a fixed amount of money for 25,000 songs, knowing that most people will never have 25,000 songs, they're getting a better part of the deal. Right, because most people are going to have a thousand, three thousand, five thousand songs. Um, it's it's a tangent curve. Um, it probably starts around you know the average music library. In my experience, from from the the th- literally thousands of emails I get from iTunes users, the average music library is between a thousand and three thousand, something like that. Um, th- this is something that most people who are interested in music just don't have that much music. You know, if they're real fans, then they've got a lot of stuff. But most people listen to music, you know, they've got a lot of, they've got a handful of records from their favorite artists and, and not much more than that. Um, so you're not going to see really, really large amounts of music in the sort of masses. But again, on the other hand, the number of people who are very, very interested in music and have large libraries, and believe me, there are a lot of them, um, it's, you know, it's sufficiently large that Apple could decide to not alienate these people by excluding them. Well, it's also the argument people make about whether or not Apple should produce a professional Mac. Now, Tim Cook says they will. And I will believe that well, Tim Cook Well, not that they will produce it, but that they'll update the Mac Pro, up, which well, the point being, the point is he's saying they will, and they'll continue to do it. They'll continue to upgrade the Mac Pro, and that upgrade will come this year. There's supposedly a much better Xeon chip from Intel coming this summer, so probably around the time of the WWDC. Apple is not going to give up on the professional market. Now, they said that when Apple introduced this very controversial version of Final Cut Pro, Final Cut Pro 10. Right. And the video editor said, number one, the interface is different. Number two, features we need aren't there. So at that point... Apple said that they're going to add those features back and maybe change them or make them better, which apparently they have to a large extent. But then if you're used to doing thus and so with your workflow, you're a creature of habit, you've always used this application that works, suddenly the new version is like a totally different application. Mm -hmm. I've got to learn everything all over again, forget about the features. That can be a problem. But the claim was made at the time that Apple did this to favor the prosumer or consumer market, not professionals. And Apple says, no, we just felt it's time to change the interface. In the long run, it's going to be better. Stay with us. It's like their decision to get rid of floppy drives and optical drives. You know, stay with us. We'll make it right. Yeah. 
Well, remember, um, how, how long has it been since they haven't changed the actual um, structure design of the Mac Pro? It goes back, to the, goes back to the Power Mac G5. Right. I mean, they Six years, changed right? the internals. It 2006. Doesn't need... I bought a Mac Pro back in 2006, in August 2006. I think that was the first Mac Pro. And so the G5 was, what, a year before that or two years before that? I even? think it was two years before that. So we're talking about almost nine years. Yeah, we're basically exact the same, same external form factor. Yes, internally, when they went to Intel, they changed a lot of things. There's no more liquid cooling or that stuff. Which means, of course, you don't have to worry about that stuff leaking all over your carpet <laughs> if something goes wrong. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a computer that hasn't changed in forever, basically. This is a new time frame, ladies and gentlemen, in forever. <laughs> you know, it's Since like this t- there's a TV show now in America called Continuum from the Sci-Fi Channel. And what that is is people going back in time. This whole group of people go back in time. So you have the cop from the future going back to 2012 to fight this group of super criminals or something like that. So it's a continuum issue. So when you buy a Mac Pro, you're going back in time. Not like 20, 30 years, like you go back and use a TV set. Tim Cook says, of course, he goes into his living room. I don't know what kind of TV he has. He feels he's going back 20 or 30 years. Maybe it's a 30-year-old CRT set. I don't know. Kirk McElhern joins us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker 
What's better than Mountain House freeze-dried food? Buckets of Mountain House freeze-dried food. Now the freeze-dried guy introduces convenient, easy-to-store Mountain House survival buckets filled with our top-selling items. Each item is sealed in a Mylar-type pouch, and each pouch is neatly packed in clear buckets so you can easily see the contents inside. These Mountain House survival buckets come with well over a 25-year shelf life and are perfect for emergency preparedness, camping, backpacking, or at-home use. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on freeze-dried foods, and choose our 12-month, 6-month, 3-month, 1-month, or or seven-day Mountain House Survival Bucket with 32 generous servings starting at just $69.95. And all orders to the lower 48 ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. I had tried everything. I'd cut back the amount of food I was eating. I was lifting weights and jogging, but nothing was working. My body was literally starving for minerals and trace elements as well as key vitamins. And as soon as I had that, I immediately could eat half of what I was eating previously and be satisfied. Now, there are hundreds of great products at InfoWarsTeam.com, but I want to point out the three that have helped me lose 37 pounds in just two months. Products like Beyond Tangy Tangerine, Pollen Burst, and Rebound. When I started taking the Tangy Tangerine and other products every day, I lost more than 37 pounds in just two months. Now that's results. I want to challenge my listeners to go to InfoWarsTeam.com and to order just three of their products, and you will see the changes in the way you look, feel, and in your appetite almost immediately. Start your journey to health and wellness today. InfoWarsTeam.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Kirk McElhern joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. We started off with his rants, his problems with Apple hardware, with Fujitsu scanners, with iTunes Match. He can't catch a break. But what about your TV? What about my TV? There's nothing wrong with my TV. Okay. When you go into your living room, wherever your TV is, in the bedroom, whatever, do you feel you've gone back in time 20 or 30 years, like Tim Cook says? No, I don't. I think that's a little bit ridiculous. I think that's just, you know, what's the word? Hubris. In order to, like, get people to think about the fact that it doesn't, it's not the way, to, to get people to realize that there's a product coming, I think, Well, you know, I can see this. The one area where he might be right is integration amongst your various devices. Because that's where the problem is. I mean, you have the game console. Maybe you have two game consoles, you know, larger families. You have two game consoles. They got the Blu-ray player. They got the Roku or the Apple TV. Then you got the cable TV or satellite set-top box. You got four or five devices. So every time you want to change the inputs, you got to switch the input. And that has to also reflect... The choice of the sound system that you're using, is it going to be the same sound system or you're going to listen to headphones or something? It can be very complicated, and to unify that experience and make it seamless might be an interesting development. I mean, you can do it with a universal remote control, but they're complicated to program. Yeah, but does this warrant a TV set or a box like an Apple TV that connects to a TV? I can't I think- see it being the TV set. 
unless Apple brings something special to the table. Me too. Otherwise, it's the set-top box is all you need. Because uh, we discussed this a few weeks ago. The problem is the number of connections and and all that sort of stuff. Um, It's clearly not necessary to have a whole TV. Whether it's even desirable for Apple to be selling TVs, something that people don't replace anywhere near as often as they do um, replace computers, frankly, because, you know, TVs actually can last. My current TV is five years old. I have no desire to replace it. I have no need to replace it. It depends on how much TV watching you do and 3D sucks and, you know, all those other things. So I just can't see... TVs are like a 10-year replacement cycle, and I can't see Apple getting involved with something like that. They'd have to truly, really, seriously come up with something very, very different to be able to convince people to go that way, I think. I don't know where Apple can make a difference there, but I also think it's fun for Apple to spook the tech industry. They make a comment, certainly Steve Jobs will make a comment, and everybody will say, oh, my God, what's Apple going to do? We have to have competition. I mean, Lenovo, which makes pretty decent notebook computers, they came out with a line of TV sets, smart TV sets, quote-unquote smart, that they're selling in Asia. Why? Well, they can give you all sorts of excuses, but why would a computer PC company do that? Well, I guess one... They realize the PC era is over, so we have to do something else, but TV market's saturated. No, it's in response to Apple. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm not familiar with smart TVs, and I'm not really sure that I care about them. I, I think the whole concept is a little bit confusing because you were mentioning um, integration, and I think more interoperability, because all of these things sort of work on their own and don't fit very well with other devices if you're just going to plug them in by hdmi they do but to control them you know as you said universal remote might do that might not actually be the tv i'm not you know i'm I'm not a big tv person i don't have a game console i have an apple tv and i have a um my internet my isp provides a sort of a two-part router nas um multimedia hard disk that connects so i can play digital files through it um i've got a stereo receiver but that's about it i'm I'm not one of these people who has eight things connected to the tv so this really just wouldn't interest me i I don't care about how smart a tv is actually well my particular set is a five-year-old panasonic plasma tv it works fine i have no interest in upgrading what i did do though is I'm reviewing a couple of sound bases. They're not sound bars. They're sound bases. What's the difference? The difference is the bar goes in front of the set, the base, the set goes atop the base, being okay. the sound base, okay? Interesting. Interesting concept. So the first one I put on is a Zvox, and it supposedly holds 160 pounds. It's a pretty big TV set. Mm-hmm. So it's actually quite an interesting product. It is the base... You put the TV set on top this base. The base contains five speakers, regular speakers, one for the left channel, one for the right channel, and three in the middle. Mm-hmm. Then it's got two subwoofers, seven speakers, and a port in the rear, and it connects all sorts of inputs. In fact, it can be used directly with an MP3 player. So, you know, it's a very comprehensive thing. And it's got what they call faux surround sound. So you take the three yeah, channels. I, I don't like those things. It depends on how well it's implemented. They sound bogus to me. Well, I'll give you an answer about that. If it's done well, on occasion, it will seem almost as good as the real thing. 
if not done well, at least it enhances the audio. But for a lot of people, understand that putting putting a sets of speakers in the rear, that's a non-starter for some people. You have a small room, you don't want to do it, you want to get better sound. Sometimes you get wireless rear speakers, which is another way of doing it. I, I tried that a few years ago. Um, it was a problem because you still have to have them connected to get power. So you have them connected to like a sort of, what, what do you call it? A little, it's a receiver that puts out the, the power through the cables. So, so basically still, you've got to plug them in behind your bed or something, wherever you're placing them. Right. I, I don't, personally, I don't care too much about surround sound. I just have a, a 2.0 channel, just a regular stereo. Stereo. I had surround sound for a while. It's too much of a hassle, too many wires. I haven't really heard many movies where it makes that much of a difference. But it's more that I don't care that much about the gimmicky sound effects. Granted, Lord of the Rings sounds better in surround. Um, that kind of, you know, adventurish type movie sounds a lot better. But I think at the very minimum, it's nice to have better sound for your TV because every TV I've heard, and I haven't heard them all, they have basically pathetic sound. The only exception possibly is this TV set from Bose that starts at $5,000. I'm not talking about the sound on the TV because I would never listen to the sound from a TV. I have my TV connected to a stereo, and I have a good enough stereo that it sounds good. Right. But if you have a bedroom and you don't want to hook up your receiver and set up separate speakers, I would a still sound put up, I, bar or a sound base. And I'll, I, would still put, I would still put small powered speakers or something for something like that. First of all, I don't have a TV sound. in the bedroom. You're, because you're doing what I just did. I'm reviewing two products. This is the first one, the Z-Base 580. It's currently $500. used to be $600 if you buy one. And I've sent you a picture of it. I mean... It doesn't look bad. You know, it actually looks pretty nice, pretty straightforward, pretty solid, and it sounds quite good. It really does. It sounds almost as good as a powered subwoofer, a real subwoofer, not the faux subwoofers. Down like 25 hertz or something. Yeah. Not bad. Okay, I'm just looking at the picture. Oh, I see what it is. Okay, it's pretty, yeah, it takes up a lot of space. See, you can get good powered speakers for a couple hundred bucks, and you can even get if you're just talking about watching TV in a bedroom, that's not where I really care that much about this. First of all, I don't have a TV in the bedroom, but I wouldn't care about sound as much if I'm watching TV in the bedroom. I'm not going to watch a movie in the bedroom. I'm going to watch that in the living room with a stereo, sitting in a comfortable chair or on a couch or whatever. You have a so, different lifestyle than we do. We do. We have we do. one TV set, a 50-inch set, four and a half, five years old now, in the bedroom. We want it to sound decent. And this is one way where we don't have a lot of boxes. We don't have to put up stands for the speakers or anything. We don't have a very wide table to place it on. So this is convenience. Why you have sound bars. The same reason you want to save space. But this sounds good. There's another one there that also sounds pretty good. We'll talk to our listeners about that soon. But anyway, the point being, going back to Apple, Apple's not going to do that, you know, because you have too many options. You've got all these products to enhance the sound of your TV set. If you want to spend a lot of money, you can buy a Bose set, which has the enhanced sound within the set. You have all sorts of picture generation technologies. You have 3D active, which is electronic passive, like in the movie theater for 3D. You've got 4K TVs coming on the line, coming on the horizon with higher resolution, like the retina display for TV sets. As if anyone needs it, I don't know. We're going you to don't. Do... You're too far away. I think, I think the, the distance is 1.8 times the diagonal if you're 
further away than 1.8 times the diagonal, you can't distinguish pixels. So you don't need the 4K TV, but then the manufacturers are well, looking to... I think it's all to, bogus. They're doing it because they want to expand the technology to have something to sell. Because of you course. and I, we have a TV set, we keep it five or ten years until it starts failing. There's no reason to buy a new set. If you want a smart TV, you get yourself a Roku or an Apple TV. How do they sell new TVs? Yep. We'll try to figure that out. We have Kirk McElhern joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Wants to be disease-free, full of energy, and vibrant health. Two reasons you may feel constantly tired and run down could be that your body's acid level is high and your pH level is low. How does acid enter your body? A cup of coffee, a sandwich, tap water, stress, and cell phones. Plus, your own body produces acid on a regular basis. AlkaVision Plasma pH drops alkalize the water you drink and raise your pH level. They promote more oxygen in your system, higher energy potential, and many other documented health benefits. And studies show viruses bacteria and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline high ph environment alkavision plasma ph drops is the least expensive and the best ph level product you can buy order alkavision plasma ph drops for just 29.95 at alkavision.com spelled a-l-k-a vision.com or call 800-518-7615 that's 800-518-7615 alkalize your body supercharge your health with ph drops from alkavision.com Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Kirk McElhern joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. From lemons to Apple's TV initiative, whatever it's going to be, and the dilemma on the part of all the TV makers, and you could see this if you look at the reports of the Consumer Electronics Show, how desperate the TV makers are to find newer technologies. Now, some manufacturers like Vizio, what they do is they find ways to put all that stuff in a set with a good number of bells and whistles, and they keep the price down. So that's, of course, one thing. If you have a really old set and you want to save money, you want to get pretty good performance, you do it that way. You get something that's not expensive. But Apple, of course, is going to sell a premium design, premium product. What did they do? Another technology out there is OLED. And OLED, there's a set from LG now. It's a 55-inch set. 
It is four millimeters thick. Now, to give you a perspective of this, the new iMac 27-inch and 21.5-inch iMac, at the corners, they're five millimeters thick. This is four. It weighs less than 20 pounds. It has a spectacular picture. Beautiful blacks, bright picture, unlimited viewing angle like plasma and LED, LCD, all the stuff mixed in one. It costs $10,300 in Korea, where it's just going on sale. In America, it'll be $12,000. That's, of course, in 2013. Now, I guess the TV makers figure they can get this thing down to a couple of thousand dollars or $1,500. People will buy them in droves, or will they? I think, you know, they all thought that people were going to go for 3D TVs in droves, and 3D TV seems to be getting close to dead. Um, the 4K well, what they thing do with 3D for- is they're simply putting the feature in all sets. So, like, half, three-quarters of the sets you buy are going to have 3D. Whether you like it or not, you're going to have 3D. Since you have 3D, they hope people may want to use it. Yeah, apparently people aren't using it, and apparently even movies in 3D aren't as successful as everyone hoped. Well, there's Um, a quote from J.J. Abrams. Of course, he did the two Star Trek reboot movies, Star Trek and the new one, Star Trek in the Darkness, and he said Paramount came to him and said, well, my friend, I guess we want you to shoot this in 3D. And, of course, all right, look, he's got a $150, $200 million budget for a major film for the spring of this year, Star Trek franchise. Okay, 3D. You want it? Okay. If he was Christopher Nolan, he'd say no. Yeah. But he's J.J. Abrams, and, you know, he's more pop culture-oriented. He said yes. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's, it's all about marketing because it was a, a way to get people to replace TVs because people aren't replacing them as fast as what the industry would want. The 4K TV thing is just bogus. Again, 1.8 times the diagonal. If you're further away than that, you won't see the difference. People are going to be told that it's better and they're going to maybe be convinced that it's better. But when they see it, they probably won't realize it's better. A lot of people could do fine with 720p and not 1080p because they sit so far away from the TV that they don't see the difference. It's like The Hobbit is being projected at 48 frames per second. You can't tell the difference between 48 and 24. If you can, it really doesn't matter that much. Um, High-resolution digital files, it's the same thing. All this stuff is marketing to make you think that you're getting something better, whereas if you really take the time to look at it, in this case, look at the TV and compare them at the distance where you're going to be sitting, instead of, you know, people go into a store to look at a 4K TV, they're going to go up and look real close to it. Um, they're going to see a display like a retina display on, on a MacBook Pro, which, frankly, there you do see the difference between the previous MacBook Air I had and the retina display. The difference is obvious at the distance that you use a, a laptop. Right, um, but if you look at it from a somewhat farther distance, and I was over at a restaurant, takeout restaurant, somebody was sitting there using the Wi-Fi connection to run his retina MacBook Pro, the 15-inch model, From where I stood, I could not see the difference. Where he sat a foot away from the picture, yeah, okay. Now, we understand 4K, if you're not real close, you maybe not see a difference. It's not worth it. But there is schedule improvements to H.264 technology, the popular video compression capability, where they'll be able to pack more data in a smaller stream rate so they basically don't have to use as much bandwidth. And that gives them the option of improving the quality without blowing your bandwidth cap. And that's coming. Yeah, it's important to realize that bandwidth is becoming a serious issue because as as we get 
bigger digital files to streams, so it's like the iTunes Store or Netflix or anything, um, bandwidth is problematic. I was looking at some movies on the iTunes Store the other day. It's uh, an HD movie is like four gigabytes, if not more, if it's a really long movie. The Die Hard movies, in fact, no, they were like seven gigabytes each. Um, the Die Hard movies. So why would the is, Die Hard movies be more? I don't know. It must be um, a deal that Bruce Willis has with the content providers. <laughs> it could be. The, the problem is, though, that if your bandwidth doesn't keep up, then you're going to be stuck. And while, while we've got bigger hard disks and we've got more memory and our TVs can handle all this stuff, um, it's the infrastructure that's really not catching up. Yeah, I'm in a country in France where broadband is relatively common. Um, I get 8 megabits per second. So for me to download a movie... For me to watch a movie on my Apple TV, it's fast enough for me to watch it relatively quickly. Um, to download one of those Die Hard movies, I, I bought the four Die Hard movies for Christmas. Um, I think it took four hours to download them all, five, six hours, something like that. Wow. So, By the way, I want to tell you, there is now, coming this year, a, a Die good, Hard 5. It's called A Good Day to Die Hard. Yep. This time he goes to Russia. Ah, Okay. Well, look, but Bruce it, it Willis is still Christmas, doing right? this action hero thing. He was in Looper, where he's a time traveler who goes back to be assassinated by himself. Yeah, I didn't see that. All right, it gets complicated. I can imagine. It sounds like a wormhole thing. But yeah, no, Bruce Willis, I mean, the Die Hard franchise is good. Um, Bruce Willis is, is good. He's got the, the, the combination of the tough guy bit with just enough funny to make the movies interesting, you know? But anyway, so we're talking about bandwidth, and as long as bandwidth doesn't increase, um, we see this in the mobile area where people want to use more and more bandwidth, and of course they're getting charged more and more. Of course, the, the, the phone companies, it costs them more, so you know they've got to update their equipment, and it, it's, a, it's a vicious circle to keep up with the bandwidth. And, you know, most ISPs have bandwidth caps, so if Apple were to feed you 24-7 high-definition yeah, content, here. right, the ISP would be freaking because, number one, you're not buying their cable service. So yeah, they don't that's like true. that. In the States, that's the case. You see, that's not really the case here um, because there is no cable, basically. There's satellite and TV over DSL, so I get TV over DSL. And, of course, that doesn't count towards a bandwidth cap because you're buying it directly from your I don't have a provider. bandwidth cap. They don't have bandwidth caps in France. Okay. So, basically, uh, you could, if you have the speed, you could be downloading high-definition content 24-7 if you want, and they won't call you up and say, Kirk, stop it. If it was a constant download, they might ask some questions, but it's, I mean, there is no cap. It's unlimited, pure and simple. Um, with my iPhone, I have a three gigabytes a month after which it's throttled, um, so that at least it's clear, but for, for internet access, no, it's always been unlimited here in, in France. I understand um, how people in France want to throttle Kirk McElhern. Oh, that's a bad joke. Let me go on to one more subject before we let you go. And that is bookmarks. Now, we all know with iCloud, your bookmarks should be synced amongst your devices, your Mac, your iOS stuff. Okay, no problem. And the way it works is when you add a bookmark, it will be lodged at the bottom of the folder or the root level folder, bookmarks menu, whatever. It goes to the bottom of the list right. when you add a bookmark. So one day, my wife comes to me and says, fix my bookmarks. I said, what's the problem? And she hands me the iPad. And she says, I have this bookmark. To the it didn't show up at the bottom. Where is it? And I looked around. I poked around. It's somewhere in the middle. Huh. And the same thing is happening on the Mac, the iMac. The same thing's happening on the iPhone and the iPad. 
really, really weird. So, of course, interesting. By the way, I fixed. Of course, it. it's it's happening on all of them because it's sinking from one to the. It's it's propagating from one to all the others. The problem exists somewhere in the chain of mm-hmm. devices where one is messing them up, and of course, and the because are, yeah. iCloud is propagating them to the others, they simply inherit the disease. Yep, they're inheriting the disease of not being able to place bookmarks in the proper location. There is a solution. Kind of convoluted. But I'll tell you what it is in our next segment. But first, it's time for a break. All right, folks, maybe I'm just whistling in the dark here, but I think this guy wants his own radio show. We have Kirk McLehern. He's joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Do you know how much the dollar has lost in its value against other currencies in the last 90 days? Ever think about how inflation will change your life, your savings, your retirement plans? Remember inflation in Zimbabwe, Argentina, the Weimar Republic? Put another way, who cares if your investments go up 10%, but you lose 40% of your purchasing power? Gold is the only monetary asset as no one else's liability. Gold still buys the same amount of stuff it always did. Gold does not require trust in a third party. You can possess it in your hand. You can take it with you. Gold is real money. Gold is honest money. My name is Daniel Larson from Midas Resources. To find out how you can protect your savings and roll over your IRA funds into precious metals accounts, please call me at 800-686-2237, extension 134. That's 800-686-2237, extension 134. 800-686-2237, extension 134. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pillen. I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, taxhelponline.com. That's taxhelponline.com. 
Utopia Silver understands that mainstream medicine and the rising cost of health care can financially destroy any family. We simply cannot afford to get sick. The only option is to stay healthy. Americans are learning that ill health is not caused by a deficiency of drugs. It's usually the result of a deficiency of minerals, vitamins, proper nutrition, and exercise. UtopiaSilver.com offers colloidal silver and healing protocols for vaccine and radiation poisoning, arthritis, insomnia, and more. If you're sick of unconstitutional government mandates, then stand up now and say no. The time is growing short to put this evil genie back in its bottle. Join Utopia Silver in promoting good health and fighting for our God-given health care rights. Visit utopiasilver.com, U-T-O-P-I-A-Silver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Kirk McElhern joins us for one more segment on the Tech Night Out Live. So we have the case here of the stubborn bookmarks that instead of going to the bottom of the list when added in Safari on the iMac, my MacBook Pro, on an iPhone 4S, on a third-generation iPad, goes in the middle somewhere. So what do they do? Well, the first thing I did is let's isolate the problem in the easiest way possible. So... I turned off and on iCloud on each device, didn't fix the problem. But there's still some kind of corruption or something somewhere. The easiest thing to do was on my iMac, what I wanted to do was have it rebuild the bookmark list. And the bookmarks is in your personal library folder, so it's the complicated thing of under Mountain Lion, you hold down Option to the Finders Go menu, you choose Library, go into Safari, and I take the bookmarks plist file, it's called bookmarks plist, stick it on the desktop. Next time I launch Safari, builds a new bookmark list, then I can import the bookmarks from the older bookmarks file, but it's in a new file. So if there's any file corruption, there it is. So I organize that. Problem still occurs. So I restore the iPhone, okay? Understand, not wanting to redo all my settings, I restore the cheap way, which is using the original backup, which, of course, is the mistake. The same thing to the iPad. Same problem repeats itself. So then I said, let's see if we can isolate this problem a bit further. So what I did is I took in the iMac, I took all the bookmarks below the ones that are added and moved them above. You can do that very easily on your iMac. You don't have that flexibility on an iOS device. Right. Suddenly it starts working. Therefore, the new bookmarks being added to the bottom of the list on the iPhone and on the Mac, the iMac. I go to the iPad and there are three bookmarks below the one just added. Hmm. It's a eureka moment. Yep. The problem, the corruption, is on the iPad. So what did ah, I do? I okay. restored it, but then set it up as a new device, which means it doesn't use the old corrupted bookmark file. It's creating a brand new one. Well, it's going to re-download the new one from iCloud. But the file that stored it in, which is the problem, that file must have been corrupted. But, of course, you have no access or official access, I mean, there are hacks to do anything, yeah. but you have no official access to the file system 
on iOS device. Mm-hmm. So the only way to get rid of all the files is basically rebuild everything. Now, fortunately, my wife is fairly conservative about her adjustments. She didn't really mess around with very much. It was just a matter of putting on the apps she wanted to use, restoring the email accounts, that kind of thing. So once I finished the restore process, it took another 10, 15 minutes to get everything back in shape. The problem is gone. But when you see something like this, and it's really aggravating to solve, because there obviously are different causes the problem that caused by Apple wanting things to be simple makes it harder for you. If I could just delete the file, the entire bookmarks file on the iPad, I don't mean deleting every single bookmark because that would be reflected in all the other devices unless right. I turn off iCloud. Take you you want to reset, basically, which is what we had with .Mac. You could reset on any given Mac um, or MobileMe, sorry. You could reset any of the different things that were synced on any given Mac, and it would delete them locally and re-download the new stuff, and that's what you wanted to do. Right. So to do it on an iPad or any iOS device, you would do a restore and set it up as a brand new device. Yeah. I had some very serious problems early on. I guess this was early on in Mountain Lion or iOS 6 or both of them, syncing my contacts from one device to another. I would add a contact to my Mac. It wouldn't show up on my iPhone. It wouldn't show up on my iPad. And it was a very complicated process of essentially deleting everything everywhere, um, letting it all sync, of course, saving a copy, exporting all my contacts into, into a V-card, saving a copy, letting it propagate with nothing for a while to make sure it had time to fully propagate all of the nothing. And then after that, re-adding my contacts into my Mac and letting them propagate again. It was a very complicated process because when I tried to do it on just one device, it didn't work. So like, if you're, if you're on an iPhone, you can turn off contact syncing in the iCloud preferences, but that didn't work. And I would still get the stuff downloaded that was bad. So I had to basically wipe everything clean in order to get it to work. And it was too much of a hassle, frankly, for something like that. There should be, as there was with MobileMe, a sort of a reset button for each type of content that's being synced. Maybe in iOS 7. Maybe in iOS 8 or 10 or who knows, but yeah. I don't um, think that's a priority on Apple's part. I think that's part of the problem. Apple would not take that very seriously as something that needs to be done because they'll think, "Mm, all right, so it happens once in a million times. So, therefore, there are a few hundred people who may have the problem. When I was having this problem, I was looking on Apple's forums, and there were a lot of people who were having the problem. Again, we said earlier, you can't tell how many, but it was a lot of people. So, yeah, I think it's common enough at time. Of course, um, this depends on iCloud, and it's very possible that they fixed iCloud now to prevent these problems. Um, I'm sure that they were paying attention to this because iCloud in the beginning was very flaky. There were a lot of problems syncing all the different kinds of content. And it's certainly a lot better now than it was then. I would agree. I don't see the failures. I don't see, for example, the failure that I had with the email. My Mac.com or Me.com email address. Don't see the failures anymore. I think it's more consistent. So I guess Apple is starting slowly to learn how to fix it. Maybe they've got Eddie Q fixing everything in there now. It's possible. Um, but It's all you know, Eddie Q's fault. By the way, if anything goes wrong with your Apple online services... Blame Scott Forstall. You can't anymore because... But you can match. because he, he set them up, so you can blame him. You can still blame him for having he, set them see, up. In the old days, we had a thing where if something was discharged, discontinued, or fired, he was steved. But Scott yeah. Forstall was timmed. Is that True. what it is? 
I guess he was timmed. Yeah. Timmed. Yeah. Timmed. Okay. So yeah. he was timmed. And therefore, we can't blame him anymore because he's not there to take the heat. You blame Eddie Q. He's responsible for Siri now. He's responsible for Apple's maps. If they don't work to your expectations, those are the two guys you contact, and you scream and you yell at them, and they'll yell back. No, that's not true. I just made that up. Okay. I made that up because I thought it was fun to make that up. You know, it's, it's kind of nice to pursue these things and to see exactly what's going on. But I see maps being better. It's getting better. Okay. I don't know about iTunes Match. The problem still exists where some songs don't get matched. Like she yeah, came still in through the bathroom window. Bathroom window. Yeah. That and explicit songs downloading as clean, which the whole concept of explicit and clean songs is ridiculous, but people who bought the explicit songs, they want the songs with the lyrics they bought. That's um, right. Like there's one or two songs from Pink Floyd that have one or two explicit lyrics that we can't say here. Kirk McElhern, where do we find more of your stuff? Well, check out my website, McElhern.com. That's M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. Check me out at Macworld, where, among other things, I write the Ask the iTunes Guy column. And there will be an update to my Take Control of iTunes book, which, of course, the title is changing from Take Control of iTunes 10 to Take Control of iTunes 11. Um, And this will be out next week. We're just about finished with the um, final editing, and I'm looking forward to talking to you about that on another show. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me again, Gene. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition. 
Nation by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit LeSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Radio advertising on GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is simple, affordable, and reaches millions. How do we do it? Let's break it down. First, the simple part. You tell us about your business. <laughs> then our expert radio copywriters write your copy. We hire professional voice talent. Hello there. I'm a professional announcer. And then produce your ad with just the right music and feel. <laughs> Voila. Simple. How affordable? 60-second ads on GCN are the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And that brings us to reach. Millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 700 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. That's it. A one-stop shop. Creative radio ads. Very affordable rates. Millions of potential customers and customer service that can't be beat. See our current list of satisfied advertisers at GCNlive.com. Then shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. Feeling like there are too many pressures and demands on you? Losing sleep, worrying about tests and schoolwork, eating on the run because your schedule is just too busy? You may be under too much stress, and it may be affecting your mind. Get your mental edge back with Nootropic Mind Power from MindRegard.com. Nootropic Mind Power is not a drug, but a natural supplement. Its 12 powerful ingredients are natural and non-GMO, plus it's gluten-free, wheat-free, and formulated by Americans for Americans by an NSF-certified laboratory. Nootropic Mind Power is available at MindRegard.com, spelled M-I-N-D-R-E-G-A-R-D.com, and comes with a 100% money-back guarantee. Free your mind with Nootropic Mind Power Cognitive Supplement from MindRegard.com. Mind Regard. Clearly see tomorrow and yesterday. Today. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. We have our old friend, tech journalist, Rod Pegarero joining us. He writes for USA Today and other publications. And we've called him in the past, or maybe not officially, nearly famous, but now he's almost famous or famous because he'd been on TV. Almost famous. I like that. Okay. It was a movie like that. Andy? <laughs> but, okay, how did you become almost famous? So, yeah, I was uh, minding my own business Saturday, late Saturday morning at the farmer's market, saw an email on my phone. Subject header was NBC Nightly News. They wanted someone to, uh, to be interviewed for a piece they were doing about the latest, well, I guess now it's the second most recent, <laughs> the zero-day exploit for Oracle's Java software. I said, sure, thinking, well, they'll use the footage. It won't go anywhere. No, in fact, I was on the NBC Nightly News for all of about 10 seconds in two separate clips uh, Saturday night. That's pretty good. I know on our other show, The Powercast, my co-host Chris O'Brien is often interviewed by these paranormal reality shows, and he'll spend two hours with him to get 10 seconds on the air. 
this is why I'm glad I don't edit work in video for a living. Video production is painstaking, and you always wind up with more stuff in the can than you're ever going to actually use uh, on the air or uh, on the web or wherever it's going. Well, I worked for broadcast radio for a number of years in covering broadcast news, and it wasn't unfamiliar for me to have to whittle down maybe a half hour of recording or an hour of recording and get the best 30 seconds or 20 seconds out of it. So I understand yep. your pain. <laughs> but you're famous now. You know, people will stop you in the supermarket. They'll ask for autographs. Well, not yet, but it could happen. All right, the zero-day thing with Oracle. Now, this is something that impacted all the platforms. It was Mac OS. It was Windows. It was Linux. All because Java is a cross-platform application development tool. So what was the problem? Well, the original idea with Java was going to be uh, write once, run everywhere. You would have this level of, this layer of middleware that could become a sort of platform you'd write for. You wanted to do a good word processor, you could write it once in Java, and it would run, you know, at the right local interface in Windows, on Mac and Linux, what have you. And uh, we found out that it was not quite so easy to do cross-platform development. On the web, it was particularly pointless since... We then figured out if you just you know advance the state of HTML coding, you don't need something like Java or even Flash to do something like a Google Docs, a Gmail or an Outlook.com, a Flickr. The, the web itself does that stuff fine on its own. So Java went from write once, run everywhere, to write once, debug everywhere. Then the or write once, out, infect hey, everyone. Yeah, this, this is on so many computers. Oracle says 850 million, although I don't know how many have it actually enabled, we can write uh, malware, stick it on a malicious website, get people to go there, take over their computers. Then it's write once, hack everywhere. They figured out if you could uh, find a vulnerability in Java, which is on so many computers, you could use that to take over a lot of computers remotely. So instead of write once, run everywhere, or write once, debug everywhere, it's write once, pwn everywhere. So what is the big deal here with Java? Is it so vulnerable to these exploits? Well, it is, which is funny because the original selling point of Java, if you go back to, we're talking like 15 years ago, yeah, about 15 years ago, you had two ways people were proposing to uh, let web developers build rich applications, things like spreadsheets and photo editors. You had Java from Sun Microsystems, which was supposed to be cross-platform compatible, and it was going to run in a sandbox. So the Java application couldn't actually touch anything important on your own system. Then you had Microsoft's ActiveX, which was Windows only and had no sandbox. So, you know, with ActiveX, all you had to do is get the user to click yes to run the ActiveX control, game over. With Java, even if you tricked the user to doing that, you weren't supposed to have that happen. Things didn't quite work out that way. Uh, there were mistakes were made as they say, um, Java is really just not panned out the way it was supposed to as a web development tool. Okay, so this current problem is only the latest because we remember there was malware called Flashback using Java to take over your Mac, and supposedly 600,000 Macs were infected, largely because at that point Apple was producing the updates. From producing them very slowly, too. Right. So it took several months for Apple to do this fix that Oracle had already entered into Java, as a result of which all these computers got infected. Apple got the security religion as a result. 
Exactly. They uh, turned off Java in the current version of Safari. Uh, they've been much more current about it. So th- their stewardship has improved a little bit. Uh, Oracle, on the other hand, they uh, they picked up one bad habit Sun has had, which was using the Java installer and updater to, as a promotional tool for third-party software. Even now, you install Java, it wants you to install an Ask.com toolbar. A browser toolbar, what is this, 1998? Who even installs them? And, and for Ask of all the sites. Um, so, yeah, it's easy to sort of postpone that, push it off, even though the last, now the second-to-last Java update from Oracle added the one feature it really needs, which is a simple checkbox you click to turn off Java in your browser. You can still have it running locally, so if you want to play Minecraft or run TiVo Desktop, it's there, but it never surfaces in your browser, and vulnerabilities like these two most recent ones can't affect you anymore. Okay, so Apple has a feature now in latest versions of OS X where they have a built-in malware detection device. It's periodically updated. And when this exploit occurred and they learned about it, they did something to turn off Java. Yeah, I think that's a little different from the whatever sort of basic malware detection. This was a, a sort of more of an engineering decision, as I understood it, that we're just going to flip the bit on this and turn off this function entirely. We're not going to have Java in OS X look for particular signatures. It's just not going to work in the browser anymore. And um, even the extent, like, if you don't even use, if you have it active, but you never run a Java applet after 30 or 60 days or whatever, it gets that function gets disabled as well. I've turned it off. Now, there Thanks are too. options within your browser to turn off Java. I've turned off Java. I've never seen anything that would encourage me to ever turn it on again. It's gone. It's history. The only time I've wanted to use Java over the last two years, there are a couple of very specialized bandwidth testing sites that I found were useful for, for clocking the speed of really fast connections, like gigabit access. I think we talked about this a few episodes ago. Otherwise, wow. no. I mean, there were some newspapers that used Java to do their online crosswords, but I think that's all ended. So that there's no reason for certainly any normal home user to have it active in the browser. So at this point here... Do we think that Java eventually is going to go away? Somebody was joking, I think it was John Gruber was joking on Twitter the other day, it makes Flash seem secure and relevant. And it's not going to go away for things like enterprise software development, but as a consumer software tool, something you know you and I should need to worry about on a home machine, it's done. And you know, developers who are relying on it, whether it's the, the folks at TiVo or uh, LibreOffice, you know, they've got to get out of their Java dependency because it's a layer of software you just cannot expect people to have, and you cannot expect them to install it given the bad reputation that's rapidly accumulating. Yes, but doesn't Google's Android use Java to some degree? Not really. What they did, the Android developers, they, they wanted to sort of figure out how can we make it easy to write applications for Android. So they modeled it after the Java API, the application programming interface. Oracle, of course, went to court saying, oh, you ripped off Java, and they lost, which is good because if Oracle had been able to claim copyright to an API, the, the interface the programmer uses to say, hey, operating system, draw me a dialog box, uh, that, that would really it would make software development in the United States a much more litigious proposition than it already is. Oh, so right. there's an, Go ahead. There's a Java inheritance there. There's some DNA that survived but not in any way that has any sort of real relevance for Java's current security issues. 
I wonder in the end whether it even makes sense for Oracle to want to continue Java. It's not a profit center because it's being given out free. So what's the point? We'll ask that question, and we'll get an answer in our next segment with Rob Pegarero. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. If you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? Aquapail from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapail units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapail has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it. Now, get the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface, well, and wastewater sources. Aquapail. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48, ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. 
Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables, and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Owl Live, Rob Pegarero, tech journalist, writes for USA Today and other publications, now is nationally famous because he was on the NBC Nightly News for 10 seconds. Whatever it takes. Okay. So does it make sense financially? for Larry Ellison and the people at Oracle to want to continue developing Java. Just forget about it. I don't know. It's, it's sort of weird. Oracle did decide that, you know, they didn't really seem all that gung-ho on developing open office, and that's gradually that whole open source Microsoft alternative suite eventually forked into open office and LibreOffice, and Oracle got itself out of that business. Um, the, there is money to be made in Java enterprise development, I guess, and you need to have some sort of consumer virtual machine software to pair with that. But, yeah, I can't imagine this is a big profit center. It's certainly not why Oracle bought Sun. Although I don't really know if <laughs> Oracle's gotten a great return on that investment either. That's a whole other issue. Well, it goes back to just one company buying another company. And how often does that work out? Yeah, Like, it's like a so certain hard. recent acquisition that HP made, which became a nightmare. But even HP acquiring... Compaq, what sense did that make? Or uh, I think, who was, was it uh, Compaq that bought Digital Equipment Company years and years before that? Something like that. That also went nowhere. Yeah, that's... It basically killed another company. That's another reason why you do these mergers. It's not necessarily to advance a company or develop synergies and all this other nonsense. It is to kill a competitor. You know, I've increasingly thought when you look at uh, the state of the wireless industry, the, the best thing the government has done for the wireless industry in recent years was to quash the AT&T T-Mobile merger because of that you do have four vibrant competitors, one of which T-Mobile just said a few weeks ago, we're out of the handset subsidy business. You'll pay the full price. We'll charge you a lot less over time. Uh, that I like a whole lot because I think it's going to do some some really customer-hostile dynamics in the wireless industry. I understand, based on what the guy from T-Mobile said, is the alternative will be they'll let you pay it out in, say, 20 payments or something. So they'll sell it to you on time. So you buy it, and they say, okay, it's $20 a month, so you get your $400 advantage, and you pay the remaining $200 up front, whatever it is. So for that period of 20 months, you're paying what you probably pay for a subsidized contract now. Once you've paid for your smartphone, you pay less. You don't pay that amount for the rest of time. 
Exactly. Right now, you pay the subsidy, you recoup it, and then you keep paying it until you buy a new phone and start the cycle again. And always in the last six months, though, if you have the right level contract, you can always negotiate your way out of it because they want to sell you a new phone and get you up for two more years. Yes, you're only valuable as a customer when you can actually leave. That's all they care about. You can't know how many times I've told carriers or satellite companies, I'm going to leave for the better deal. Wait, we think we can find a way to cut your price. (laughs) Well, why didn't you tell me this when I signed up? Exactly. Flash. What's happening with Flash? We see Java going bye-bye. Is Flash dead yet? That that was an earlier USA Today column of mine a few weeks ago. Uh, No, it's, you know, two, three years ago, I I would have said yes. It's on the way out. You know, the the fact that it doesn't work on mobile and, you know, more recently Adobe said we're not going to develop Flash for mobile anymore. That means you, you just can't keep having these sites that rely on Flash. What has happened is sites are getting out of using Flash for stupid things like slideshows and, anima- and animations, but a lot of sites still use it for video. Part of the problem there is we haven't figured out. Uh, people talk about HTML5 as if it's a magic button. You just need to put a code of HTML5 on your site and you don't need Flash. Well, no. What flavor of HTML5 video are you going to do? You can't do just one and have it still be compatible in Safari, Internet Explorer, Firefox, and Chrome. Until that happens, I don't see Flash going away in a hurry, and then you still have digital rights management issues that you can solve pretty easily with Flash. Uh, you can sort of do it in one of these HTML, HTML5 formats, not so much the other. So, yeah, it's stuck around for a while, even as it's obviously dead on mobile. And that's not what I expected to see happen. So what's going to happen here? How then do you deliver video for smartphones where there is no flash? Yeah, you know, if you're willing to trade off Firefox compatibility, you can just do um, uh, H.264. That works in Safari Internet Explorer. Pretty sure Chrome handles that. And on mobile, all the browsers support that, even the mobile version of Firefox, which is a little odd. But you're still risking losing a good 20% of the market. Whereas if you support Flash, you're pretty, you're not 100%, but you're a lot more than that. Not least since Chrome, which is the browser that's been growing the most lately, has the Flash player built in. So one possibility here would be to have Flash run if the site is coded to detect the desktop version of a browser. And if it's mobile, they give you some kind of H.264 version. So that's kind of complicated, isn't it? It is more work, and, you know, I, I appreciate it when sites go to that. For one thing, I'll put in a plug for USA Today's new design. Uh, it used to require Flash for videos. Now, if you have the Flash plug and install, that's what videos show up in. If you don't, you get an HTML, HTML5 video. It may not be quite as high resolution, but it works. You're not shut out of anything. Well, I do like the new design with USA Today. It has more of a fluid kind of design kind of flows with everything. I like that. It's not something that is static, is very dynamic. You didn't do it, but I think for one of the newspaper sites, it's very well done. Yeah, I like it too. Now, in terms of problems with security, obviously we have the Java problem. How is Flash faring these days? These days, the way Adobe codes Flash for Mac and Windows, it auto-updates for you. So when they have a problem, you get the fix. They needed to do that because the Flash updater was a pain. You would look at, uh, click once to start the update, click again to run the updater, click again to accept the license, click again to finish it, and it's too easy to just postpone it, postpone it. And, you know, 
as with Java, when you have this program that runs on all these computers, if you can find one exploit that affects all of them, it's a lot easier to uh, to weaponize and monetize that exploit. Figure out how to bundle that with whatever malware you want, then sell that kit to other malware authors. There's a whole business about this. My old post colleague Brian Krebs has been doing great work chronicling it over the years at KrebsOnSecurity.com. And yeah, Adobe had to sort of make it easier to have getting the most recent version be as easy as it is in Chrome, where it's updated with the browser. There's nothing to do. Sooner or later, you see this little orange arrow on the top right corner of Chrome, which tells you restart it. Your current, all your old pages open up. There's nothing to worry about. Yes, Chrome is up to what, version 46 now? <laughs> I lost count. I can't count that high in, uh, in my head. I needed to have a spreadsheet to keep track of it. I understand that Firefox is doing the same thing. So soon it'll be version 26 of Firefox and 429 of Chrome. I can't keep up with that. I think it's just totally absurd. I don't version mind. numbers are obsolete. I don't mind the question of wanting to revise your product and make it better. But the versioning is just confusing. I don't think people even care or know about it anymore. Exactly. I think the question should be more, are you running the new version or not? And that's really what it all is. It's not as if there's... That's usually the biggest benefit. There's security fixes. Hopefully there's performance fixes. It's not as if each new version of a browser brings major new features. I couldn't tell you how... Let's see, the last Firefox change I remember, they did finally roll out this new this new tab interface where it shows recently opened pages you've been at, which they've been working on for a while. Looks like what you have in Chrome and Safari. I like it. Good change. I don't know how many versions ago that was, but nice job anyways. Let's move to that place you visited last week in Las Vegas, Consumer Electronics Show. Other than yes, 4K indeed. TV sets, which means it's like, retina display variation on a TV where it's got humongous resolution of which there's no content for it yet and it costs humongous amounts of money and then we have the LG OLED TV for over $10,000 other than all that flash any real substance there? Yes um, I can rant about 4K and OLED TVs later on what interested me at CES is all the work that people are doing into, into putting different kinds of sensors into devices you can wear on you, you can plug into your house, that basically extract data that was always there to be gathered if you had enough money and enough hardware. But now, because you can put an accelerometer into anything and have it communicate by Wi-Fi or Bluetooth for you know, very little money, it becomes a lot easier to sort of quantify these aspects of your life, figure out what sort of exercise do you get, how well do you sleep, um, automate your home in, in simple ways that don't require running cables everywhere. That, I think, is an interesting trend, not least because a lot of the companies doing this are tiny shops. You don't need a huge amount of venture capital funding. You can start off by kickstartering your project. You, know, you don't need massive distribution. So that's a, a really encouraging bit of innovation to see going on in the industry, and I think that's a much more positive direction than, say, 4K, where in, in a certain sense you're trying to solve a problem that most people do not have. Or whatever K it is. Oh, Ultra K does exist. I've seen it done at CS the last two years. Sure, sure. Rob Pegarero joining us on the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. Welcome back to Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. With Rob Pegarero of USA Today and other publications, we're talking about Consumer Electronics Show about little features and things that people could roll out that may have some impact and don't cost a lot. Is it going to reach a time here where, and I'll give you an example of this, just to point out what's happening, and this is something that may happen in real life in a few years. There's a TV show on Sci-Fi Channel called Continuum. Ever hear of it? Yes. Okay, so it involves basically this police officer, police detective from, what, 2076 or something, and this band of criminals who figure a way to go back through time, and she, the police detective, is caught in the currents and goes back in time with him. And she is implanted with all sorts of digital stuff so she can see, she could hear, she can call up a display on her palm of her hand to see what's going on. Instead of having an iPhone or some kind of iPad, she has all of it embedded in her body. Is that where we go? That does kind of sound like an exhibit from CES 2016. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past the industry to be showing off implantables. The question I would have, though, is when you get next year's model, do you have to go in for more surgery? Is it all microsurgery, or can you just go in there, go into a little room, and they inject something, and it replaces the product that's in your hand or in your arm or in your head or whatever with the newest version? You really want to make sure those firmware upgrades are uh, as, as reliable as you can make them. Well, then you wonder about her. Is she just partly cyborg? 
Well, you know, as, as I speak this year, I've got a phone in one pocket. I've got this jawbone activity monitoring bracelet on, on one wrist. Yes, that could very well be true. And may not take till 2076. Just think about it. Of course, then there's a time, I guess, where the corporations run everything. Is that the prevailing wisdom of those we years? might be getting towards that way, too. You know, that's something about that show I really dug. It's called Continuum. It's on the Sci-Fi Channel. I recommend it. Now, you might see some character actors you recognize. Most you won't unless you watch genre shows. But the idea is good. We have to see how well it's executed. Another show on sci-fi called Alphas about mutants and everything, kind of a X-Men imitation, poor man's X-Men. Didn't work. Not going to make it for the <clears> third <throat> season. Too bad. All right, let's look at the developments. Okay. Now, we're looking at the smaller stuff, but is there anything there from a major company that's going to appear in a product this year or next year? You're going to say, wow, gosh, golly, gee whiz, this is something people can afford and might turn the industry upside down. Major companies, not so much in these activity sensors, although I guess Nike Plus is one thing. That's more running-oriented. It doesn't work unless you have the sensor pod in your shoe. Uh, home automation, which is an area that's been kind of really an esoteric fringe. Belkin has this Wemo system, which is simple adapters you plug into your outlets that talk via Wi-Fi. Lowe's, last CS, they introduced a system called Iris. The same basic concept, plus they have some fancy internet-connected thermostat. They're expanding that this year. And, uh, you know, in both these cases, I just made this observation, the smartphone is becoming the remote control for your life because your phone can control all these home automation setups. Pretty much everyone in the TV and Blu-ray player business has realized that the smartphone screen is a better remote control than anything they can bundle. So they're shipping apps to let you order around your TV that way. Um, all these sort of... Uh, Workout pods, they synchronize by Bluetooth or a wired connection to an iOS or Android phone. And cameras, that was the other surprise at CS. The industry has finally figured out that you need to have some kind of wireless picture transfer to a camera. That's going to be a feature on the bulk of your lineup because no one wants to go back to the laptop, pop out the SD card, and upload the picture that way. You want to be able to send it from the camera to the phone, and then you can take a second to edit it, crop it, put a filter on it, put it online and that way you still have the benefit of the nice glass in the camera and you have an internet connection that is pointless to try to embed in the camera itself. So what are you doing here? You're doing Bluetooth, you're doing NFC? Most of this stuff is done by Wi-Fi. And in the initial setup I tried the Samsung model two years ago where you had to have tethering active on your phone, which is kind of a silly, you know, waste of a twenty dollar a month fee. Nowadays it's more common and some of them used Wi-Fi direct, which is great with some Android phones but useless for iOS. The most common thing is to have the camera itself be a Wi-Fi hotspot. So your phone connects to that, and therefore, you know, once you have a network connection, you have an app on the phone that can do things like let the phone screen be a remote viewfinder, so you can compose your self-portrait that way. Uh, some of these setups, you can use the phone to geotag the pictures in the camera, and of course, then you can zap the pictures over from the camera to the phone. There was a couple of Panasonic models that also use NFC, which is this very short-range wireless technology and some Android phones. The idea there, you, you tap the phone and the camera together, the pictures transfer, and there's nothing to configure, and that should use less electricity than Wi-Fi would. One way or the other, maybe it'll be on the next iPhone. We'll see. Uh, Apple has held off from adding NFC. If, I don't think NFC makes a whole lot of sense for some of the uses people have laid out for it, like using it as for online, uh, online, but physical payments. But something like device-to-device -to -device transfer, and one of these devices doesn't have the best interface ever, that could make sense. 
One of the arguments that Apple uses about NFC is they felt the technology hasn't been perfected. There's not really a fully 100% or 99, 44% unified standard. It doesn't work that well right now. It's buggy. In fact, one of our regular correspondents on the show, a writer, was telling me that he's tried phones with that feature, trying to pay with a credit card system. Never works. I have as well. Yeah, two things about that. One, payments on NFC, that's a whole other ball of wax or ball of bag of hurt, I guess is a Steve Jobs phrase, because you have to have different payment systems coordinating their various wallet standards. Verizon doesn't like Google Wallet. Uh, Sprint does, whereas it takes no time at all to slap down a credit card. And doesn't the near-field communications feature cause the problem of potential theft and piracy? Someone steals your smartphone, they can empty your credit card. Well, they can do a whole lot worse than that. The other thing I'd say, though, is all the things you were saying before about NFC, the standard isn't quite unified, it's buggy, nobody uses it. You could have said about Wi-Fi before the airport, the first airport base station came around. It takes one company to really figure it out, really get it, and get the thing implemented. I mean, you have to look where Apple has gone with technologies, like, for example, USB. Before the first iMac with USB came out, PCs had USB, but nobody cared. Yes. Well, Apple, they also sort of uh, burned their bridges behind them since there was no other, no other way to plug anything into uh, a new iMac. So it was USB or nothing. They had a, that was a way of sort of forcing the attention of peripheral manufacturers. Well, what they're doing now with the optical drive, by dumping it yeah, except for very few machines. So, I'm not really nuts about that at all. Yeah, the new iMac, you know, th- this is something I've said about OLED TVs. It's wonderful that this desktop is so thin, but if I'm looking at the side of a desktop computer when I'm using it, I'm doing something wrong. You're pretty crazy. You're pretty crazy if you are. But that's also true with these TV sets. You have the OLED TV. He's talking about the LG. It's a 55-inch set. It's four millimeters thick, which I assume means, therefore, all the connections are done in the base because there's no room on the panel itself. So I assume it's on the base. Is that true? Yeah, OLED sets, I've seen some from uh, Sony has shown off a bunch over the years. LG, they have one on the market, Samsung. Yeah, they're too thin for an HDMI cable, a power cable, all this other stuff. So you still need to have some sort of lump on the back of it or in the base. And again, who cares? The other thing with OLED, this, I thought it was a more recent addition, but I checked through my past reporting, and the first appearance of OLED made at CES that I can recall was in 2007. So this is now six years in a row where people have been saying, well, it's, it's expensive now. It's going to get cheaper. You only get so many years before you can say that, before the rest of the industry decides, you know what? LCD has been getting better and better all the time. It's good enough. I really don't care if my TV is an inch thick versus a quarter inch thick. Well, that's the whole issue here. It looks fashionable. It's also expensive. I think the LG is 10300 in South Korea. And when it goes on sale in the USA later this year, it'll be $12,000. But maybe the way to get this technology to work is to actually produce shipping products, just like you paid $15,000 for a plasma TV set and it took a few years to get down. Now that you're able to build a small quantity of 55-inch versions, maybe in a few years they figure it'll get down to a reasonable price. It could, but then you have the different issue where plasma and LCD, when they were painfully expensive, there was no other flat panel competition. Aha. Here, now you now you got competition, so where's the incentive to increase quantities? We have Rob Pegarero joining us with Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database, so you get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. Is this the year you finally get serious about your family's drinking water? If so, keep listening for a special offer from Big Berkey Water Filters. Did you know that over 60% of municipal water is fluoridated? Berkey Water Filters distinguish themselves from many other filtration systems with the capability to significantly reduce dangerous chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, and disinfection byproducts from municipal water via the Black Berkey and PF line of filters. Then there's affordability. At only 1.7 cents per gallon, Berkey Water Filters purify treated and untreated water, even stagnant pond water. Stop and think how much money you could save by simply reducing buying bottled water and using water filtered by your Berkey water filter. No need to be constantly replacing expensive filters with a Berkey. A single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. Choose the best size Berkey for your needs at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And right now, all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Just call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Free shipping on every order over $50. Big Berkey Water Filters. For the love of clean water. Injuries, slow healing, aches and pains, constipation, weakness, fatigue are all common the older one gets. The progressive deterioration of the body that occurs almost universally the older one gets can partly to significantly be prevented with conscientious attention to nutrition. If the Hunza men can play rugby in their 90s, then it is possible for everyone in North America to experience a more youthful life as well. One key ingredient to warding off aging and reversing some of it is the type and quality of protein consumed. All protein foods or supplements you currently 
currently consume are heat damaged, destroying 50 to 75% of your ability to utilize the bodybuilding amino acids. One World Way is not heat damaged and allows your body to utilize 100% of the amino acids. This feat no one else has achieved. The results to your health can be amazing. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. So Rob Pegarero, tech journalist extraordinaire and now famous national TV personality, <laughs> at least 10 seconds of him. But 10 seconds of Rob is better than 10 seconds of a lot of other people. So we'll go for that. In any case, we're talking about new TV technologies. But OLED, supposedly, it's not just being thin and light. It offers supposedly a better picture, better blacks, unlimited viewing angles. Supposedly, it was supposed to offer... All the benefits of plasma, all the benefits of LCD in one package that is power efficient. Am I wrong? That is, the, that is correct. That's the pitch as I heard it. The problem there is LCD hasn't been standing still. Over the past few years, this has certainly kind of crept up on people. You remember when LED TVs were the high-end alternative? LED TVs are really LCDs, but they replaced the fluorescent backlight and standard ones which still look pretty good, with LED backlights that in some cases you can dim and brighten them independently. So you have, that gets you, uh, this sounds like a laundry commercial, you know, brighter whites, (laughs) deeper blacks. (laughs) So LCD has not stood still. They've been making some of the same improvements there. And it gets to the point where you need to be a really hardcore, exceptionally discerning customer to know about this stuff, to, to notice it in daily viewing much less pay four times or six times what you would pay for an LCD screen of the same size. You know, I've gone to the local stores here, consumer electronics stores, and I look at, say, a $600 or $700 Vizio set, which is LED, okay? And the picture's as good as any other set. In fact, most sets are pretty good these days. Yeah, a terrible thing has happened in the industry. After years and years of trying, we've made the flat panel TV this... This thing that was a science fiction artifact in 2000, it's a commodity product. You, you can screw up that purchase, but it is not nearly as easy as it once was. And the biggest problem they've had, of course, with LED or LCD TVs was getting good reproduction with action scenes in a movie. They got that fixed. Wide yeah. viewing angles, the best ones, you know, you have to get pretty much towards the edge of the screen before the viewing angle problem is perceived as being anything extreme. They're pretty decent. Yeah. So if you're not a complete crazed critic, you'll be happy with it. Exactly. Okay, so with TVs, of course they keep pushing smart TVs. But I read somewhere, correct me if I'm wrong, I read somewhere that when it comes to smart TVs, most people don't bother with it. If they want those features, they'll get it with a Roku or an Apple TV. It's also in their Blu-ray player. Who cares about that? Well, I think it's it's true that you can get these things so many different ways. You know, that that to me says that the demand is there. There is a competition who can make it easier to access these things. There are all sorts of 
smart TV interfaces or connected TV interfaces that are easier and worse than others. You have application selection issues. Aroka will tune in far more things, except for YouTube, which I don't know why that is, than uh, any connected TV out there. Uh, conversely, an Apple TV will tune into fewer, but they should all work fine. Everyone's still kind of figuring the way around that. What services are you going to get? And the services themselves keep changing. You know, we all have this hope that eventually you'll be able to pay for HBO Go just by itself. You'll be able to watch your baseball team's games over the Internet in your city. Crazy thought, I know. And so, you know, I would not buy a TV without some kind of connected feature on it, just in case it's going to be just plugged into the wall by itself. So it may be there, you may never use it. Right, but it's, it's also become a default feature. It's, it's there anyway, so who cares? Yeah. But what about 3D? I don't see 3D making it. I didn't see 3D getting a whole lot of attention. No, I mean, right now, even the cheap sets, anything above the entry level is 3D. So the answer to 3D, I think, still is having the feature work without the glasses. Well, they're working on that. The catch is, you know, there's two two options. The, the cheap glasses option is what's called passive 3D, where there's no active shutters in each lens synchronized with the screen. That's cheaper, but you sacrifice a lot of the resolution. So not that many people are doing that. Glasses-free 3D, you can do it, but then you need a 4K set with, you know, a full uh, 8 million pixels of resolution instead of the, uh, what is it, 2 million? Uh, math is not my strong suit this late in the day. Basically, it's a lot more resolution and much higher cost, and then you still have viewing angle limitations. If you're standing at the right part on the floor or the right spot on the couch, you see the 3D effect quite nicely, no glasses required. If you're not lined up right, then you start seeing double. And, yeah, the more I look at it, I just I see people buying 3D sets. They weren't going to pay extra for the 3D, but they got it for free. I mean, the Blu-ray player I bought a year and change ago, it has 3D on it. I didn't buy it for that, but the other features I wanted, that was sort of a throw-in. Kind of reminds me of what J.J. Abrams said. There was an interview with him about why he chose to have a 3D version of Star Trek Into Darkness, which he's directing. It'll be released later this year in May. And he says because Paramount said do it. But personally, he's not a fan of 3D, and he says it can give me headaches. I don't watch it for a long while, but of course, you know, they wanted us to do it in 3D, so we did do it in 3D, though you wonder... With Star Trek, what do you have, flying Klingons in your face? What? Well, I, I guess you could have some, some neat, uh, you know, when the Starship Enterprise moves towards you and fills the screen, that could look nice. But in general, I think I'd go with, I trust J.J. Abrams on what makes a good movie over uh, the suits of Paramount and said, oh, you got to do this. And just think, by the way, that with the Batman trilogy, Christopher Nolan said absolutely no 3D, and he got his way. I don't know about Man of Steel, which he's producing. That's the Superman reboot. I don't know if that's going to be available. Yeah, in I'm not sure either. But, you know, they actually, with Superman Returns, they had some 3D segments of it, as I recall. And it was a waste. You'd see this thing on the screen which would say, put on your glasses. And so you put on your glasses in the theater, and you watch the 3D, and you take off your glasses. What was the point? Film didn't do all that well. Not because of that. It's because the film was kind of dull, but... There you go. That'll do it, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. The industry spent all this time, three years ago, 3D was going to save TV. It was going to be the next dimension of television. And on the one hand, they did the job great. They made this technology so cheap, it's become a default ingredient. On the other hand, no one cares. So all that money, all those you know, that engineering time and expense went nowhere. And you wonder what they could have done if those, those developers, those coders, those engineers had been assigned to some other task that people actually you know, want 
That's the way it always works, though, isn't it? And that's yeah. all because of Avatar. If Avatar wasn't a humongous success, we wouldn't care about 3D. Everyone yeah, I, wants I to... I seeing that movie in 3D, but, you know, it's... To me, 3D is the thing you occasionally pay extra for in the theater, and really not anything else. Well, I did see it in 3D in the movie theater. I bought the regular DVD at home and I watched it, and I thought to myself, you know, I like the film in 3D. It was fun. And now I'm at home... And I'm watching the film in 2D, whatever, and it's fine. You know, I don't feel the urge to get the 3D glasses, even if they're passive. You know, yeah. even if there's no sweat, it's there. DirecTV or Dish Network offers it. It's not going to cost me extra. I just put on the glasses and, nah, no need to buy a new TV. So that's the big issue here, too, with regard to the TV business. How do the TV makers get you to buy a new set? If Smart TV doesn't do it, we don't care about 3D. 4K is a hard sell. OLED's going to be bought by a few well-heeled people and serious-level home theater fans, and that's about it. So what do they do? That's a good question. As a matter of fact, it's such a good question, I want to make it a cliffhanger. On the other side of the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. In this unpredictable world, disaster can strike anyone. That's why an essential part of any emergency survival plan must be stove in a can. When power goes out and gas lines are down, the portable, safe, easy-to-use stove in a can cooks food up to four hours and boils water in as little as five minutes. Stove in a can comes with everything you need. The stove, fuel, even waterproof matches, all in a compact, durable, heavy-duty container. Plus, the all-natural, non-explosive, 100% waterproof fuel source can be stored indefinitely. Say goodbye to the hassle and danger of propane, lighter fluid, or gas. Stock up now and protect your family with Stove in a Can, starting out at $29.99. Special bundle offers now available with a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Order yours today at StoveInACan.com. That's StoveInACan.com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pillow. 
I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. Rob, by the way, is saying if I ever do that to him again, I will be the one who will be thrown (laughs) over the bridge, okay? But seriously speaking here, the real question to ask is... What do TV makers do to make you want to buy a new set? Because the difference between my 2008 Panasonic Plasma and the 2013 version is not enough to compel me to buy. The picture may be somewhat better, but not that much better. Yeah, uh, I'm in the exact same boat. I've got a 2009 Sony LCD. Looks great, works great. I was even getting software updates from them for a good like two and a half years after, after it showed up at home. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a slightly larger TV, but then it's not that important. We don't watch that much TV. Yeah, uh, I would say electronics manufacturers, you know, don't feel bad about me. There's plenty of other people who are going to want a larger TV. In the meantime, try to sell me a camera. I need a new one of those. What about cameras? Now, you mentioned before having the Wi-Fi camera to communicate with your smartphone. Okay, are people still buying these cameras they can use their smartphone and get pretty good pictures out of them. What I think has happened is, you know, the, there will be some sort of a market for the quasi-disposable point-and-shoot camera, but there's going to be some kind of feature in this. You're going to have to do more than that, whether it's things like wide-angle lenses, zoom lenses, things you can't readily do on a phone, um, larger image sensors. That's, that's a better area for camera manufacturers to compete in than just megapixels because it's at a ridiculous level already. 14 million pixels of resolution, that, um, that's more than you need. Things like, you know, that there are lots of ways that camera vendors are actually catching up. It, it took the, the smartphone people to say, here's how you do a panorama mode that anybody can use. Don't make people stitch your photos A, B, C, D, F, E, F, G. 
in some app on your computer, have the camera do that for you. And this latest trend of, you know, instead of trying to replace the functions of the camera, the functions of a phone on a camera where you have Wi-Fi built in and GPS and all the battery during issues that entails, you know, have it transfer the pictures wirelessly. Let the, let the phone do the things it does well, determine your location on the earth, you know, download information about that, upload the photos you've taken, and have the camera take care of focusing the picture, bringing the, the faraway scene up close. That sort of makes sense. It is more of a, not a professional market, but a more of an enthusiast market. But, you know, those are the people who do spend money. So basically here you're moving upscale. You're not trying to go to the low end where people can just use their smartphone cameras. You appeal to people for whom a smartphone will never be sufficient, or at least this year's model. But isn't there a point here where they're going to be adding so much to smartphones and the cameras, higher resolutions, better camera systems, better flashes, et cetera, et cetera, where once again they'll be chasing the smartphone audience? You definitely get to a situation where you've, you know, you, you reach some plateau of, of features and performance and the, the rate of innovation tapers off a little bit. That happens all the time. The, the other thing, area, the other interesting area, I forgot to mention this, is ruggedized cameras, things that you can throw in the ocean or, or strap to your ski when you go skiing, things you wouldn't want to take, you know, the $200 smartphone that becomes a $500 thing to replace when you break it. So there, there's potential there as well. I don't think the smartphone becomes, you know, it's going to eat that entire market. It's just the, the the smallest cameras that you know that are people would otherwise would have taken with them all the time, and now you don't need to because your good enough camera is the one in your phone. Moving to the tablet space, so Steve Jobs said that the PC will become the truck. It's a pickup truck. You use it for heavy lifting, and that tablets will take over the rest of the market. So what happened in the last quarter of 2012? It looks like the industry moved very strongly in that direction. Yeah, you know, for a lot of Day-by-day computing, there's no reason to grab something besides a tablet. I did not take my iPad mini to CES. I took my MacBook Air, and that worked well with with the help of a $10 Ethernet adapter because Wi-Fi doesn't always work at trade shows. Uh, It was interesting at CES to see all of the Windows manufacturers really heavily leaning on the idea of convertible laptops, where it's normally a laptop, but then you rotate, pivot, or flip over the screen so that it becomes... A tablet. Except oh, sure. That's a product that people really are clamoring for. Yeah, well, see, I don't know, because you look at these things, and yes, it's a tablet. It's uh, a three- or four-pound tablet, which no one is going to want to hold. I'm sure it does make for better you know, in-flight entertainment than having a laptop flipped open and taking up all the space. I don't know if there's that much of a market for that or if it really, if that many people will feel the need to use a tablet while they're sitting down on the couch somewhere. And then there's really weird ventures. IBM showed off this uh, Think Center or Idea Center Horizon, a 27-inch computer that is designed to be laid screen side up on a coffee table. So that becomes like a smaller version of the original Microsoft Surface. Remember the Microsoft Surface before it became this tablet, this 10-inch tablet. What was it? Oh, it was a coffee table thing that you see on CSI or other TV shows because that's all who'd buy it. Yeah, except the, the Surface, it was an entire, it wasn't just this tabletop thing, it was the whole kiosk underneath it. So at least with this uh, this Lenovo Horizon setup, yes, it weighs an ungodly amount and has no meaningful battery life, but you can actually put it on an existing table. It, it isn't a table in its own right. 
So that, that's progress for you. Okay. So I always worry about that because I think you see these pictures on TV and somebody grabs their laptop computer and does some kind of swivel shtick or twirling shtick and immediately seamlessly goes into its tablet mode or whatever. And I think that's great after they've practiced it 10 times and they know it works. But you think of the poor schlub at home like you and I, myself especially, and I take one of these things and I start to twist and twirl and try to make this thing go in the tablet mode and I break something or it never quite happens that same way. That's a big risk looking at some of these things. There's some really uh, elaborate kind of uh, artsy hinges and swivels and pivot points that I, I just I, I assume they've been tested at length to destruction so they, they know that these things will, will last up to will hold up under the kind of abuse that a laptop gets. Assume or hope. Yeah, well, there's only one way to find out. So you'll sit there and you'll give it some use and abuse and see whether Dell or HP, hmm, whether it's going to make it. Now, they've tried that convertible tablet stuff for a while. That's nothing new. I think the only thing that's new is Windows 8 because it's touch-friendly. Exactly. Here you do have a difference in that Windows 8, it's annoying that it's two-faced, but in this case it helps because when you do collapse or fold up a convertible presumably you're going to spend all your time there in the uh, the, the new windows interface the tile centric start screen where that you know there are no right click menus and everything is a huge target and it's it's very well optimized for touch so much so that it's kind of annoying to have to navigate the start screen with just a trackpad or a mouse so that is a, a material improvement from the old tablet pc concept where you would fold up your laptop and it was still a start menu and tiny buttons and tiny toolbar icons that you know require a stylus to hit accurately. So that's a difference, and that may be the one way that this this bicameral <laughs> interface in Windows 8 is not an annoyance, but actually a good fit with the hardware. When you said Two Face before, I was thinking of the character in Batman. Right. Okay, so one's got the face and one's just a skeleton, and I'll let you decide which is which. Okay, but it doesn't look like, at least as far as the early ideas of sales for the holiday quarter are concerned, that Windows 8 went anywhere. Some say it did worse than Windows Vista. What have you heard? Yeah, I I haven't sort of unpacked all the numbers yet. It certainly seems obvious that this is not some huge hit. I don't know if anyone would. You know, so much of the computing dollar is going towards things like tablets. You know, Apple's Mac sales, you know, they're not doing bad, but nothing compared to how the iPad is doing. We understand that. Of course, one of the problems with Apple, too, is the iMac, the fact that it came out really late in the quarter, and the 27-inch version still hasn't shipped in pretty big quantities. But the reports I saw were that sales were flat or slightly up, whereas PC sales for most of the companies were down, and where they weren't down, they were just cannibalizing from one another. That's how you go with that particular industry. But, ladies and gentlemen, we have a whole lot more to come. And if you want to contact us, we'd like to hear from you. Write us, news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Or check us out on Twitter, where we are known as Tech Night Owl. With Rob Pegarero, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. 
A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Plant a healthy garden easy and fast with OrganicaSeed.com. Easy because OrganicaSeed.com offers one of the largest online selections of organic, heirloom, non-hybrid, and untreated seeds, as well as tobacco and cotton seeds at low prices. Go to OrganicaSeed.com, spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-C-A-Seed.com. OrganicaSeed.com. Remember, Organica Seed is healthy seed. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Buenos Aires, then a shuttle to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa, it's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes, all food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more. All more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts at GoldenStagSafaris.com. The big game hunting ranch. GoldenStagSafaris.com. Hi, folks. This is Pastor Butch Paul. Please allow me to share some very exciting and important health news with you. I've been struggling with type 2 diabetes for about 15 years now. and was recently told by my doctor that I was going to have to go on insulin soon. I didn't want to, and Dr. Joe Wallach told me not to. He started me on a program using his young the products that within days started reversing my problem. There's a good chance that Dr. Wallach and his young the products may have saved my life. No matter what your health problems are, folks, Dr. Wallach can and will help you. Check out the products on www.pastorbutchteam.com. That's pastorbutchteam.com. Or call 855-828-8326. Please believe me. You'll be glad you did. That's 855-828-TEAM, 855-828-8326, or PastorButchTeam.com. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. Live with Gene Steinberg. 
It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Rob Pegarero of lots of places, including USA Today, doing a lot of freelance tech writing, so you can catch him anywhere. He's also a big TV star now. We'll soon see him turning up all the time on the Today Show or something, right? Uh, not yet. You never know. We'll see. Well, certainly it's not something he'd refuse. You know, he's, he no. wouldn't say, talk to my agent. Don't touch me. I'm a star. Think about it. You know, you got 10 seconds on NBC. Now you get 20 seconds on Today's show. Or they can have you on with Jay Leno and give you 30 seconds. And then you can do your stand-up. Do a stand-up oh. routine. That's a good way. Be the stand-up tech journalist. Mm. But then everybody will say, just sit down. Okay, let's talk a little bit about how things are going here. So, with regard to Windows 8 and where it didn't go, what does Microsoft do for a plan B? Do they just bring back the start menu, try to clean it up to make it more friendly to traditional PCs with a mouse and the keyboard? What do they do if it's not working out right? Well, what you just laid out is a prediction that my friend Steve Wildstrom used to do Business Week's Tech Column when I was doing the Tech Column for the Washington Post. He said, you know, yes, they're, they're going to have to bring back the start menu and back away from some of this touchscreen first orientation of Windows 8. I don't know. I mean, Microsoft has made a pretty big bet here. Part of the idea is that Windows 8 apps, the ones that are written for this new screen, they're supposed to have a lot more kinship with Windows Phone 8 apps for smartphones, although I don't know what the upside is of that because Windows Phone 8 is, is not sold all that well, and it's got some some issues sort of fitting in into the mobile ecosystem that are not going to be easy ones for Microsoft to solve. Well, the thing with Windows 8, I heard that they made a big deal over the fact that Nokia sold, what, 4 million of them in a quarter for the same quarter that Apple would sell 45 or 50 million iPhones and Samsung would sell 50, 60 million of their stuff. They talk about 4 million as if it's something special. I just think that Microsoft tried to adhere to this belief that you must have Windows everywhere, therefore the same operating system. But I understand one of the other problems with the Surface RT tablet is people buy it, not realizing it does not run regular Windows apps. It has to run apps specially coded for the ARM processor. Say they're returning the things in droves. I don't know if there's that much confusion, but it is. I mean, I actually wound up buying a Surface RT mainly because Microsoft's PR department was not being any help, and I've heard this from enough other people that yes. I, I don't take particular offense. Um, uh, right. They didn't treat me too well either. They kind of overlooked it. I mean, I can get Windows 8, no problem. Here, here's a download key, and, okay, seriously, got it real easily. said, can I get Windows RT tablet? And we kind of look at the Surface RT, and we understand that if sales are modest, maybe they don't want a lot of journalists to have them because they'll use them and they'll criticize them because they're not really feeling the love. I've read stories, reviews from people whom I would say were Windows advocates or favored Microsoft more than Apple. And they almost, to a person, said, this is not very good. I tried it. I, I found it in some circumstances it was good. You know, having this thing in the living room, using it as, as a sort of micro laptop with a touch cover keyboard on the coffee table, that was good. Folding it up, using it in my lap as a tablet, that was fine. The problem is when I tried to use it as a laptop, the thing just, there's no solidity with this touch cover keyboard that is is not actually a solid plane and isn't really firmly anchored to the thing. Uh, the battery life is good, not a huge upgrade. It was nice to be able to take this 
And like any laptop, plug in a phone to the USB port and have it charge. Not saying you can't do it with an iPad. So there's some advantages there. But after using it for a couple of weeks, when I had to either decide to keep it or return it, I decided this doesn't really fill a niche I have open between the two laptops I have on the one tablet. And I don't think as a journalist I'm going to need a machine running Windows RT just to try out RT apps. I couldn't see sinking the $600 into that just as a, a sort of form of ongoing research. And I've read from so many people, no one says, oh, I love this, or at least nobody I've heard of. Of course, somebody will now write to us who hears us on GCN, and they'll say, I like my Surface RT. It's wonderful. I think so. I think so. So, okay, let's look at the final topic of discussion. The fall off of Apple's stock price is just astounding. I mean, if I had a lot of money invested in Apple and I bought it at $700 now that it's in low fives or something, I'd be freaking. I'd be freaking. What's going to happen with Apple? And it turns out here that the Wall Street Journal, which started it all saying that Apple had cut back severely on component orders because of alleged poor demand of the iPhone 5, this is a story that first emerged in December. And they suddenly pick up on it again, and there's very little reality to it. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, the whole, I mean, the stock market, I like to say it's its rational in the long term, but in the short term, it can be nuts. Yeah, I, I don't think the company is really, its actual inherent value is, you know, two-thirds of what it was before. You know, I, I am not in the business of investing in Apple stock or any other company I cover, but maybe I should tell my mom to put some money into Apple. Get it real cheap now. 500 right. bucks a share, uh, Yeah. Year. You know, tell your mom, 500 bucks a share, it's great, it's not going to go to 400 But the thing that bothers me here is that there's so much hysterics involved here. You've got all the big industry analysts saying, you know, Apple sold quite a few iPhone 5s. We don't see any evidence of this. But, you know, once you spook Wall Street, there's no stopping it. Yeah, you know, sometimes I'm not quite sure how the, these guys uh, justify making the money they do. When you look at some of the actual bets they place in the market, and that they don't seem to show a really <laughs> deep or nuanced understanding of where things are going. I also wonder if some people legitimately talk down or up a stock because they could do something for their own portfolio to make money. They'll make money. You will lose money because of what they did. And that is quite possible. So there might be some skullduggery involved. But that's not a crime, is it? Or is it a crime? I mean, can the SEC bring someone in and say, what did you do? I don't give advice on, I don't really, I try to avoid giving advice on securities, and I definitely don't give advice about securities law. Too complicated, we don't want to get into it. It's just crazy. And like a lot of stories about Apple, in recent weeks, this one has gotten quite a bit of play in various segments of the mainstream media. What kind of speculation? Well, that Apple is going to introduce a low-cost iPhone. They've had a cheap iPhone for several years. They, they sell you last year's model for a deep discount. The model from two years ago is free. It's not as nice and as capable as the current one. On the other hand, the rate of increase, uh, the rate of improvements has slowed down with the iPhone. So uh, <laughs> it would be nice if they could make one that they can pay you to use, I guess. But that doesn't strike me as, as a as any sort of missing quadrant in Apple's product portfolio. I think part of the argument here is that what happens here is with the free iPhone 4, it's free with a subsidy. If you want to buy that thing unlocked, it's $400. So the key being here, maybe Apple could produce one for $200. So people who can't afford four get one for two. But how does Apple cheapen it 
to make it a $200 phone without just giving up all the profits. It doesn't make sense to me. It's not like Amazon or Google selling tablets for the same as they pay for it or a little bit less or more. Well, you know, you look at that $400 price. You know, if, if you can find one available, Google will sell you an unlocked brand new Nexus 4 for, I think, $350. So I think a lot of these unsubsidized prices you see for phones usually sold with contracts, they're like the rack rate in a, on a hotel room. That's the maximum profit scenario, the price they want to charge you. But, you know, if you have any bargaining power, you will not have to pay. I was thinking if Apple could get one out for two ninety nine, that would be a pretty decent price. I'm pretty sure they can make a profit already on the iPhone at two ninety nine. Okay, Certainly so the older models, and they can find a way to use, you know, maybe a fancy plastic back, a little bit of slimming down, a little way of cutting the price, not using a Retina display, for example, and bring it down to two ninety nine without giving up too much and still offer quote unquote the genuine iPhone experience. Rob Pegarero, where do we find more of the stuff you do? You can look me up at robpegarero.com. I'm on Twitter as at Rob Pegarero. My column runs on usatoday.com every Sunday, looking at tech issues of various kinds. I write blog about gadgets on Discovery News, cover tech policy for a DC blog called the Disruptive Competition Project. And uh, I pop up other places here and there as well. Like here. Yeah. You can find us at technightowl.com. You also can find us on Twitter as technightowl. We have the other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And we have someone this week where he talks about strange cattle mutilations and deaths, paranormal or just criminals who are trying to harass this guy. At theparacast.com, that's theparacast.com. On the Tech Night Out Live, thanks, Rob Pegarero, for joining us this week. Thanks. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.